This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. college students to find out what made the grade and what should have been held back. Representing the class of 03, I am your co-host Crooks. Joining me this week and every week, he sings like an angel and drinks like a fish, the class of 04's own Big Hearn, David Oscar Hernandez. What up, Dave? How you doing, Brian? Really excited in to there. talk about this movie, man. Really excited to talk about this movie. Just, just let me take like four big glugs from this beer here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's appropriate. That's, that's the way to handle this. Oh, uh, yeah. Also, joining us from the class of 03, she is one half of our very own Texas two-step, the one and only big sis, Megan Mills. What up, Megan? Hey, guys. Um, feeling really excited about this. Uh, it's another Texas uh, slanted movie filmed in Austin. So 
I feel great. Back to back. Yeah. Two in a row. Who knew? Who knew? Rounding out the two-step, this podcast chief home decor and trivia correspondent from the class of 01, Dana Griffin. What up, Dana? Hey, y'all. Um, doing all right here. I, I just have like a little bit of words of encouragement for us tonight that, you know, the rest of our lives can be mediocre, but I hope tonight we pod like gods. So, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm ready to get going now. Yeah, that's the energy I wanted to bring tonight. It's just I was I was feeling flat before, it. but now I'm I'm ready to give a slow clap and uh, really get after this pod. You're welcome. You're welcome. Now joining us this week, this is a guy I've known since the seventh grade. Uh, we played football together all the way through the end of high school. He was the lead singer in my band. Uh, he's now the head brewer at Riverlands Brewing in St. Charles, Illinois. Eric Frank Bramwell. What up, Eric? Hey guys, I'm uh, very happy to be dissecting this uh, late 90s gem with y'all tonight. Eric, maximum effort? Perfect execution. Goddamn right. (laughs) (laughs) So um, this week, we are talking about Varsity Blues from 1999. Uh, You can rent it on Amazon or Google Play Movies. There's another handful of places that's floating around. Um, But in case you're unfamiliar, Jonathan Mox Moxon is elevated from backup QB to starter when the previous starter suffers a career-ending injury. In the high school football crazy town of West Canaan, Texas, Mox goes from anonymous nobody to beloved star overnight and comes into direct conflict with his legendary coach, Kilmer. Megan, give us a quick rundown of who's in the cast here. Uh, We have a really good cast for the time. Um, First of all, you have... James Van Deerbeck, which at the time... Oh, wait, Megan, what? <laughs> Deerbeck? <laughs> you were so sheltered as a kid. James Van Derbeek. Van Derbeek, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> nope. <laughs> we're keeping it in. All right, fine. Um, at the time, Big Dawson's Creek uh, fan and heartthrob, uh, but he plays Mox, our main character. John Voigt, uh, culture... Got it. Who is, thank you, um, who is Coach Kilmer. And so you'll see we have a lot of the Voigt family in a lot of the, the movies that we're discussing. Um, but he is a, a key character today. We have Paul Walker, who plays Lance, Rest in Peace, Tragic Story. Um, Ron Lester, who plays Billy Bob, again. He's yikes. Um, Scott Kane, who plays Tweeter, Alive and Well. Uh-huh. Got con. Con. Oh, God. Con. Con. Oh, should I, should somebody else just do the rest? <laughs> no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. No, I can't oh, wait to hear, yeah, what <laughs> other pronunciations you might have. So, yeah, keep it going. Richard Lineback plays Joe Harbour. There you go. Amy Smart plays Julie, our sweetheart. Mm-hmm. Um, Elisle Swinton plays Wendell, a former mm-hmm. Kansas City... Uh, Chiefs player. Allie Larder plays Darcy. Tony Perensky plays Miss Davis. Brady Coleman plays Sheriff Bigelow. Um, and y'all mentioned somebody before this that I didn't recognize. Yeah, so uh, anyone who's familiar with Breaking Bad uh, is, is what first comes to mind with Jesse Plemons, mm-hmm. uh, who plays Zach's little brother. Um, he's one of the 
the kind of white supremacist from I think the fourth or fifth season of that. So he's he's been in a lot of other stuff too. But uh, it was kind of cool to to spot him at the uh, the backyard uh, barbecue in this movie. Yeah, I'm telling you, he looks the exact same. He just got shorter. Like that kid has one of those faces. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My God. I will say, not many female characters in the show, but um, you know, it's a football movie, so they, I guess. Yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a handful of them, and most of them don't really do anything. Correct. So, uh, Eric, when did you first see this movie, and what made you want to uh, join us to discuss it this week? So as far as my like, first viewing of it, I'm pretty positive. It was one of those deals where, you know, it might have been a small group of us or something. Or it could even have been by myself watching it in my, my basement in Naperville. I don't, I don't have a specific memory of the very first time that I watched it, but I remember watching it numerous times across my, uh, my high school years. And the reason I wanted to talk about it with you guys is just the, it, it didn't necessarily capture our high school football experience. <laughs> God, no. Any sense of imagination, but uh, there, there's some fun stuff there as a, a former high school, uh, especially bench rider like myself, uh, <laughs> that, I, that I can relate to Mox in some ways and until he, you know, kind of becomes a superstar. But it, it's just such a, a fun, encompassing movie, especially sports movie in the 90s. I mean, it was made by like MTV films. So, you know, it, it's about just as 90s as, as, as a movie can get. Yeah, I mean... As you said, and we're going to dig into this a lot, this bared virtually no resemblance whatsoever to our high school football experience, uh, both for the good and for the bad. But um, we'll dig into that in a little bit here. Uh, Dana, is this one that you have a ticket stub for? I definitely thought I did, because um, I know I watched it a lot in high school, but once I realized it was rated R, there's like no way that I, you know, I think I was like 15 at the time, so there's no way I would have saw it in the theater. Um, but yeah, I think I definitely, I feel like I might've owned it on VHS. I definitely owned it on DVD. Um, yeah, it definitely watched it a lot, would quote it a lot. Um, some of, you know, tweeters end zone dance I would do at practice sometimes. So <laughs> yeah, I was definitely into this when I was in high school. That is amazing. I, I need to see some kind of a rendition of that updated to nowadays. Uh, uh, I might break a hip. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Megan, when did you first see this movie? So this is one I actually think I saw in high school. Um, oh. Which is surprising, again, as you mentioned, it's rated R. But mm-hmm. I think it, perhaps, I don't know, maybe, Eric, it was, <laughs> it was at your house because um, I was not allowed to watch rated R movies at my house. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was definitely a hangout situation in which we like a bunch of people were watching the movie and we kind of all talked about it and kind of growing up in the Chicago suburbs, like the whole idea that around like the Texas football kind of cult and things like that was just like very foreign to me. So it seemed very um, fantastical, uh, but it was also a great movie. Yeah. Yeah. That's this again, so different from our football experience, our high school experience. Um, Dave, when did you first see this? Uh, I was definitely in high school. I believe it was on VHS on a screen that was way too small and way too pixely. I'm sure it was disappointing <laughs> view-wise. But uh, I remember seeing two movies that night. I rented two MTV Films movies. It was this, and I watched Dead Man on Campus as well that oh my night. God. Um, and uh remember enjoying them both a lot, even though 
thinking back to Dead Man on Campus, man, really, really dumb movie. <laughs> yeah, I think I think we're gonna get to that probably sooner rather than later on this probably. list. That's one that stands out to me as well from that era. Absolutely. Um, personally, I have never seen this movie before the podcast, which like shocked my wife. Um, what? Until we realized, yeah, well, yes, I, I think my, well, now, not only that, I have also never seen Friday Night Lights, either the show or the movie. Oh, that's um, I think, I think my explanation at the time was like, it hits too close to home, man. Sure. I do this for real. I don't want to see a fake version. And that's uh, self-serious crooks from back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I had never seen this. My wife was like outraged that I had never seen it until we realized that she thought it was old school. So she's also never seen this and just judged me for no reason at all. Yeah. I was, I was trying to describe it to her and she's like, wait, so they had a football game? Where does Will Ferrell show up? Like, what are you talking about? But then they so all yeah, started fraternity. We, they started right. fraternity, right? Yeah. I remember they had a gymnastics thing. So yeah, she was, <laughs> she was just as bad as me. Um, See, I'd never seen this before, uh, watched it a couple of times kind of in preparation for the podcast, and um, I wish I had seen it back in the day, because I think I would have really, really loved this movie when I was like 16, 17 years old, when I was kind of the most serious about football that I ever was. Um, But yeah, I'm happy that I saw it, and I think it was a really great choice for the pod. Um, Real quick here, Eric, uh, having rewatched this as an adult, did this movie make the grade for you, or should this have been held back? I uh, I gotta say I've always had a soft spot for this movie, and surprisingly, I I had a pretty good recollection of it, even though it did have to have been a number of years since I've seen it. But uh, nothing kind of came as a surprise to me that that I didn't really remember from watching it before. So I, like I said, soft spot for this one. To me, it it is very dated and very silly, but I love it. It makes the grade. Yeah, yeah. What about you, Dave? Um. You know what? I still smiled many, many times watching this movie. There were some stuff that I laughed at. I, I when I when I would hear listening when I would listen to tweeters saying some of those ridiculous things that that we'll get into a little later. Still smiled, but you cringe a little bit at the same time. And so yeah, it still hits all the same uh, good notes that it did back in high school. And still definitely enjoyable. You can definitely watch it and still enjoy it and think back to the old days it's good to, to uh, reminisce and think about that stuff absolutely uh dana having owned this on vhs and also perhaps dvd obviously this is one that you watched kind of frequently back in the day did it really hold up for you or should this have been held back uh I, yeah i think it held up like i there's not a lot of thankfully there's not a lot of tech in it so there's yeah. no like oh a cell phone would have done this or the internet like i think yeah i think it holds up well regardless because there is such little tech in it and the fashions are bland enough that like you might think someone (laughs) who lives in the middle of nowhere Texas would still wear that today Mm. um so yeah I definitely I held it held up I enjoyed it I laughed I actually it was a lot better than I remembered actually which is is weird I definitely thought it was a stupider stupider movie when I was I I don't know I think my recollection was like oh this is a silly teen movie but yeah I thought it was really good I enjoyed it Real good, real good. Megan, how about you? Um, I like I really love this movie, but um, I think the one thing watching it back was thinking a little bit more about like the character depth. Like I would have loved to like know a little bit more about just instead of like 
you know, the surface level of the characters. Um, so it actually like got me like thinking more, um, and you know, comparison to Friday Night Lights, as you mentioned, I really got into that show like a ton. Um, and like as, you know, an adult. So it was a little bit kind of like, I, w I wish there was more to it, um, but it was definitely fun. I enjoyed watching it. I would totally watch it again. It's, it's, a, it's an easy, um, like feel good movie. We, I, think we need a three, I think we need a three hour director's cut of uh, Varsity Blues. Oh my God, with yeah. commentary. I so. thought Twitter, a tweeter especially, was a very well written and funny <laughs> <laughs> depth. We know virtually nothing about anyone in this movie except for, oddly enough, Darcy. Like, she's the only one that we understand anything about her character beyond, like, the very surface level. And she's kind of, like, the most inconsequential character in the movie. Yeah. Yeah, she kind of falls off in the second act there after she kind of serves her purpose to, to test Mox's character. Uh, they kind of have their little moment, and then she's just kind of, like, gone for most of the second half. Yeah, I don't think we see her again after they kiss. <laughs> I think that's kind of it for her. But um, without any further ado, let's get into this recap. Uh, right up front, does anybody have any fun inside facts about the movie? I learned a couple things that I thought were interesting. I'm usually good at finding... Ooh. Whenever a movie gets sued, I'm usually able to find it. Like with uh, Dazed and Confused. Uh, apparently yeah. the studio, Paramount, was sued by the University of Toronto in Canada over the title of the film because they hold the trademark to the Varsity Blues. Their collegiate teams are the Varsity Blues since the 1980s, including their Canadian football team. As That's part of amazing. the settlement, uh, Paramount, uh, they agreed to put a disclaimer on the video and the related book saying it wasn't based on the University of Toronto. <laughs> That's the first thing that we all think about is the University of Toronto relating to this film. That's amazing to me. I, right now I work um, with college licenses. My, I make t-shirts for a living and we hold a bunch of NCAA licenses. I cannot tell you how serious they are about defending their trademarks. And um, yeah. I think it might've been last year, Ohio State tried to trademark the word the, because you know, they are the Ohio State University. And sure. the, yeah, the conversations that we had at work about what do we do if they trademark the were fucking hilarious. <laughs> Um, well, I think I mentioned this one earlier, but um, it was another another movie that was actually primarily filmed in Austin in the Austin suburbs. So there was a couple of moments. I actually didn't realize it until I was watching it. And then I saw um, one of the, uh, something I recognized and I was like, huh, that's interesting. And then I saw something else and then I was like, I, had, I have to do a little bit of research. But yeah, it was filmed in Austin suburbs, Elgin and Georgetown and a couple places in Austin and then a couple of places, um, uh, even a little bit more outside. So, uh, kind of interesting and fun to, to see, uh, again this week. Yeah. Cause I mean, the way that it looks, I would have thought this is more like Lubbock area. Like it looks much more kind of out in the sticks than Austin is. Rural. Rural. The rural juror. Rural. Yeah, well, I think like, <laughs> Elgin is pretty rural, and I think, yeah. like, uh, I don't know if we'll get to it, but um, it's the the burger joint that Jules works at is Top Notch, which we mentioned mm -hmm. a lot during the Jason Confused episode, so I think it's just the, 
that might have been the Austin of it all. Is the the top notch burgers there? Um, and the fantastic, you know, and the yeah, the landing, the landing strip. Oh, that's right. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, of course, the strip club. Yeah. The, the titty bar they go to. <laughs> so, we are going to get into the recap in a quick second. Um, but last week we introduced the legendary Coach Still to the spreadsheet. And uh, I had a couple of Coach Still stories that I told. Um, Eric, you played for Coach Still too, of course. Uh, if you had to pick one, what is your favorite absurd Coach Still story from high school? It, it would be tough to just pick one because he was a unique man, to say the least. <laughs> um, and this, this is a mixture of like, it, it was funny to me as horrible as this is to say, but totally depressing in another way. So one of our, one of our good friends by the name of Jake, um, <clears throat> who, took, who took football very seriously. Not, not he was he, good at it too. He was, he was good. So I, I was the mox to his lance. I was his, <laughs> and uh, we, you know, our lockers were next to each other and stuff. And this was after, after a game, well after a game, where and I don't remember why, there was maybe only a handful of people still in the locker room. And Jake was super depressed because we had just lost. And, you know, every loss that year was a, was a tough one because we actually had a really good team. I tried telling him last week we had a good team that year. Yeah, yeah. And, and so Coach Still comes in, and he sees us sitting there. And as is typical, he pretty much ignored me unless I <laughs> did something to piss him off. Uh, but he, he looks at Jake, and he, he kind of sits down next to him, and he, he sees Jake's upset. And he just looks at Jake, and he goes, you know, uh, sometimes, you know, we, we win and we lose, but I think he's, I know you, you, you gave it your all, but I think if you, if you tried a little bit harder, we could have won that game. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had to restrain myself from just laughing. Like I could not believe like it's horrifying <laughs> and hilarious at the same time that this man just told a guy who I know is one of the hardest workers out there. If you worked a little bit harder, we might have won that game. And Jake, Jake wasn't a quarterback. Jake wasn't the running back, the star receiver. He was a defensive end. And he didn't give up, you know, the big run that went and scored the, the <laughs> touchdown or anything like that. He just didn't play his best game. And he said if he would have tried a little bit harder, we could have won. It was, it was mind-blowing. Yeah. For, for the record, Jake was one of the best players on the team. He played in college. <laughs> so he was like one of our better players. And uh, I can fully picture that whole moment. I can picture Jake just like that scene in The Simpsons where we see uh, Martin get his heart shattered a little bit more by Lisa, I think would have, or that Ralph, I'm sorry, would have exactly worked out the same way there. Uh, poor Jake. Um, I, I, I kind of had to think through which story I wanted to tell here because there are so many that I had for Coach Still, but my favorite coach still story, and this really kind of sums up exactly who he was and probably still is. Um, he had two sons when we were in high school. They were little. They were like five and seven or something like that. Um, I'm not even sure how we got onto this topic, but he told us as a whole team that he never let his kids beat him at anything. He said he would cheat at Monopoly because they couldn't count money, and he could. He said when they played basketball, he would block every single shot they took and like cross them over and make them fall down and stuff. If they had a foot race, he would sprint as hard as he could and like talk shit after they lost. Um, he said he did all of this stuff because winning should be meaningful. It's not something you just get because somebody feels bad for you unless you have it. And he figured if his kids lost at literally everything they ever did for years and years, 
when they finally beat their old man at something, it would be like super meaningful to them and feel like a real accomplishment. So that's kind of like a, a look into this dude's mindset. Um, there was also, I don't know how else to put this, a much more sadistic side to Coach Still. Um, Eric, we got to talk about the day that we had to do 53 eligibility sprints, and we got to talk about leaping frogs before we sold wildcat cards. Uh, which one of those two do you want to take? I'll, I'll take the eligibility sprints. God. All right. It was – that's seared into my memory. I don't think I'll, I'll ever forget that. You know, Can't forget. We had some bad ones, you know, where – uh, we, we would have to run ladders and things like that. And, you know, just regular conditioning could not have prepared us for this. Yeah. Like you said, we had, we had 53 sprints and, and what was it? It was one, was it one sprint for everyone who, who wasn't doing well in a class? Or was yeah. It was a hundred yard sprint for every D or F on the team. And our team had like 80 something dudes on it. Right. So in like this, this eligibility sprint was one of the first weeks of school. So like if you had one bad test or quiz, you were already, you know, behind the eight ball here. So yep. um, he gathers us around towards the end of practice. And, you know, we're all thinking, all right, here's, here's the, the final pe uh, prep talk, you know, before we all get to get out of there for the day. And uh, nope, he reads off the, the list of how many sprints we're going to do. Who's all falling behind because didn't he, did he? Wojo, 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 Wojo. <laughs> like he was feeling every class. Right. So I know his like idea behind that is like help pick your teammates up in school, but no, he just single people out. So uh. we get pissed off at him for every hundred yard sprint we had to do. So we were basically running these things until it started getting dark and they're not going to turn the stadium lights or it wasn't on the stadium. So, I mean, there's really no lighting on those practice fields. And he calls it finally. And you think we're done. I don't remember what sprint it was at, but we're all probably on the verge of puking at that point. And, you know, he basically says, we're done for the night. It's too dark. We're going to start this up again tomorrow. And he, uh, oh my God. sadistic is, is right. I think he, uh, he just enjoyed watching us run. He was like fully grinning at that point. I remember his face and he would, he would time them. So we had a couple of kids on the team who were much, much slower than everybody else. And as soon as they got back, he'd blow the whistle and we'd go again. So they were just running hundred yards with like no breaks between them or anything. And yeah, I remember, I think we got to like 31 and then we had to finish up the rest after the next practice or whatever. That was a nightmare. Oh, yeah. um, the other one for me was leaping frogs. So we had to sell these wildcat cards. They were a little like discount cards. Um, the high school where I live now does these too, where they'll like come around and they'll knock on your door and they'll pitch you about how they need money for whatever. And you buy this little discount card and it goes to the team, 20 bucks or whatever. So we had to do this all around all the neighborhoods around the school. And it was like a two hour thing. We were out walking around. And before we did that, we had a practice. And then we did um, our conditioning at the end of practice that day was leaping frogs, which you jog in place, he'll blow the whistle, you squat all the way down, touch the ground, and then jump up in the air. And it's, it's kind of like a burpee minus the push-up part. And so we were doing these forever. Like usually conditioning was, you know, five minutes or whatever at the end of practice, a little, a little thing. Sometimes they were harder than others. This must have gone on for 20 minutes. And he was blowing the whistle so often that we weren't even like really running in place. We were just squatting down and jumping. And as a matter of fact, Eric and I uh, went that day together to sell our Wildcat cards because we were in pairs. 
and we must have been seniors that year because uh, we drove ourselves. And I can remember walking after that first house. I'm like, my legs are gone. I can't stand up. Like my legs are jelly. I've done a million squats all of a sudden. Like this jackass sent us out here to walk the streets for two hours, knowing full well we were going to be in severe pain. So that was our high school coach. But I will tell you, he loved us. He really did care about us. He was never going to like shoot some shit into our knee and make us harder hurt ourselves. He was just. Mm kind of that old-timey, like, hard-ass coach. I, I was telling him last week, Eric, he's Coach Sowers from King of the Hill. Like, he's just, like, mean, but, like, really cared about his team. Um, so now that we've, we've kind of – He was the varsity coach? Sorry, I, since I, was, I'm no. not from uh, Naperville, <laughs> so I just needed to – that was a question he I had. Was, but... He was our sophomore coach. Our varsity coach was Coach Wells, who, again, couldn't coach his way out of a goddamn wet paper bag. He was terrible. He was not good. He was not He was good. bad. But Coach still – Third and ten run up the middle. Oh, my God. He punted on third down one time. Um, but Coach – that really happened. But Coach still was sophomore coach, but he would come over and at the end of practice as varsity, when the sophomores were all gone, he would still come over to, like, run through conditioning with us and stuff like that. So he was always around, and everyone knew he was the best coach that we had. So nobody kind of felt weird if he was around. But, yeah, he was, he was a sophomore coach who – he also ran the um, weightlifting and conditioning camp over the summer as well. So he was – we did stadium miles. And at this point, I'm just swimming around in childhood trauma. So before I devolve into, like, a, a whimpering mass, let's kind of get into this podcast here. Um, the movie starts with Mox giving a voiceover about how big high school football is in the little tiny town of West Canaan, Texas. Um, before we can even move on, I think we should probably talk about his weird fucking family here. Um, I, I feel bad talking about his brother who was fun in this movie because now he's gone missing. But yeah. he's some kind of like a weird religious zealot. Um, in the first scene, he has somehow tied himself to a crucifix. Um, later on in the movie, we see him as like either a Buddhist or a Shinto monk. He yeah. becomes a member of the Nation of Islam, like selling that was my favorite. And shit. That was that was hilarious. Man, he hits that guy with an assalamu alaikum. Uh, <laughs> he also at the end is like a full blown cult leader. How did this kid wind up like this? Like what what was happening in the Moxon household to let this kid go through this path? Well, they probably go to like like a regular like Methodist or Episcopalian church, like on Sundays and some kids just go there and they hate it and they just kind of fidget and so on. But some get really interested in religion. And I guess this kid just starts looking into things and starts reading and learning and just wants to experience it all and see what's for him. He was into every religion. Um, yeah. The, the dad in this family is, like, unreasonably intense in every scene we see him in. In the very first scene, he's, like, pissed off that the brother is wearing this crucifix, which is it's a, a fucking hilarious physical gag to, like, watch him try to eat breakfast while on the crucifix. He's, like, knocking shit down. And the dad is only focused on the fact that he's going to distract Mox from being able to win tonight's game, even though Mox never plays. And at one point, he's like, the whole family has to be focused on this win. And I'm like, all right, man, you got to calm down mustache uh, the mom is just like super chipper she's positive about everything she's like oh, 
did you tie yourself to that crucifix again? Oh, bless your heart. Like, she is. <laughs> I mean. I, I think mom might be drunk a lot, though. <laughs> it's she very definitely clear. was during the barbecue, 100%, but maybe yeah. all the time. Definitely all yeah. the time. You know what? During the barbecue, everyone was drunk because Mox's dad puts down his Lone Star on a TV tray, and there's like 17 beers empty on that tray. <laughs> so mm. everyone is hand-boned there. Um, That's true. We also should probably talk about the accents in this movie. Um, I forget, it wasn't the Razzies, but somebody gave this whole cast the award for worst accent in film that year. Um, I had like a legitimately hard time understanding a lot of these characters at first. Uh, I mentioned that I, I went to elementary school in Texas, um, and I remember some teachers with some really over-the-top accents, but did I just struggle because I'd been in the Midwest for so long? Um, Megan and Dana, did you guys have any trouble understanding these characters or was it just me? Well, I, I don't know if I would call the, like necessarily pin these down as Texas accents. They were, <laughs> they were accents of the Southern part of the country maybe, but um, I don't know. In Austin, we're kind of, uh, sheltered from true like East Texas accents and but yeah I, I wouldn't call them Texas ones I think it was just people being southern because you know all southern accents are the same and, yeah know, just none of that sounded like Texas to me really um, yeah. maybe a little bit with uh, Lance's dad but I don't even he wasn't quite doing it that was more of like a Louisiana he almost had some Creole in there it seemed like sometimes yeah, Mox was a little bit hard to watch at some points. Jules <laughs> might have been the worst. She was she was pretty bad. Her accent was was pretty horrible. That's yeah, true. they could have gotten like a dialect or something. The only one who might have kind of sounded passable. I don't I don't <laughs> know what he speaks or spoke like, unfortunately, in, in real life. But I believe he could have had an actual accent, but the rest of them were were pretty rough. He is a Georgia native. Um, so, yeah, he did have a legitimate Southern accent. It wasn't Texas, but it, it didn't sound like he was putting on an affectation like everybody else did. But um, it's enough, apparently, for this movie. Yeah, it's close enough. Uh, Billy Bob then shows up in his truck. He drives Mox, Wendell, Tweeter, and the superstar QB, Lance Harbor, on the way to school. Billy Bob has a pig named Bacon riding shotgun. Um, my first question was like, what does Bacon do all day when they're at school? I guess he just like kicks it in the truck. But um, mm -hmm. Tweeter, who is probably my favorite character in this movie, despite his problematic elements, the guy's like a full-blown sex fiend when he hops in the truck. And uh, I think in this moment, because we now introduce Tweeter, we really should get into the segment we call Potent Quotables. What did you say? So um, this movie is super quotable. Like I said, never seen it before, but I heard so many of these lines um, in college, especially. Um, maybe none more prominently than Puke and Rally by Billy Bob. Mm -hmm. um, what were some of the, the quotable lines that stood out to you guys? I mean, I think I'll, I'll take the low-hanging fruit here. I mean, if, if someone hasn't said, I don't want your life. <laughs> <laughs> some point but i wouldn't believe him so i mean that's that's the uh, the obvious one that's for sure the one I, I got a soft spot for billy bob when they're in the strip club i give it i give it a 10 a 10, <laughs> 10. it's my fucking favorite <laughs> yeah. 
Um, I feel like everything Tweeter says, I like was writing down a lot of what he wrote. And then I realized like my notes would just be nothing but Scott Kahn. Um, I, I don't feel comfortable saying this one, but he, you know, he says a lot in his first introduction. We, we get to realize that he's going to be the wise guy cracking jokes all the time. But uh, yeah, there's some sex fiend stuff in there. And Are you he, talking about how he wants to fuck the pig? Yeah. He's like, <laughs> the he's like, I need this. And he's like, I'm about to fuck the pig. <laughs> yeah. And you're just like, it, like all the, I'm like, oh my God, yes, I'm in the right mindset for this movie. Like that first opening scene just kind of brought all the memories back. And I was just like, yes, I love. Listen, I, I need to, I, I wrote down a bunch of tweeter quotes because he's like the most quotable character in this movie, I feel like. The first, his first line in the movie is, good moonin', boys, good moonin'. <laughs> I've been up since the crack of dawn and I had to ask you a question as he shows his ass to everybody. You um, don't see his ass before you see his face in the movie. Like, the yes. character is his bare ass. That says it all. He, the, the one that I laughed at the absolute most, there's two that really cracked me up. The first one, he steals a police car and as yeah. he's driving off, he goes, I'm going to jail. <laughs> just, going to jail. It was so great. And then um, the other one, and I think it might have just been like the delivery that he has. He's looking in his pants uh, at practice after some really fucked up things he had to say about women. And he pauses for a second, looking at his dick, and he goes, what the fuck is that? It's just like he's by himself. Clearly, he's got some kind of a growth on his dick at this point because he's a gross person, but yeah a fantastic moment I, I just i think he's so quotable um megan did any quotes stand out to you at all so this is going to be probably a weird one coming from me but um penis 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 vagina <laughs> 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 I wrote that. um i remember one of my girlfriends in college was taking us like a i don't know human sexuality or something like that class and she like had to do some like activities and she was like the most like she like hated saying those types of words aloud and so we would just yell at her penis 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 vagina 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 that's um, amazing yeah so that is was- amazing there was one other one um that i that i i really did get kind of a chuckle at just because of how it was delivered and this wasn't it wasn't even a character i'm assuming he has a name i think we said his name was like Officer Bigelow or Chief Bigelow or whatever. He's mm. a cop. I just I just call them the cop super fan. But there's a scene where they're at a bar and they're describing obviously what Tweeter had done the night before. And I'm gonna I'm gonna put on an accent here, so I apologize to everyone from Texas, but I it doesn't sound right without it. Pulled out their wieners, press them up against the glass at the Alano Club while the girls are practicing their Christmas pageant. Mm. Like he's just so disgusted by the behavior of these guys like he's so thrown by this and just to hear him describe kind of the the peak of debauchery in his mind was fucking well, hilarious like, to me. they're waiters yeah they're waiters <laughs> we never did something like that it's <laughs> yep. like oh my god hopped yep. up on the painkillers <laughs> it's, it's so great to be fair, your accent there was better than 80% of the people in the movie. So. It was pretty Listen, good. Listen, yeah, I, I probably should have been cast in this movie. But um, 
Back into the recap here. We pull up at Lance's house, and he has this huge billboard of himself in the front lawn, which, and, like, the way they introduce him, he's in, like, super slow motion. They have, like, triumphant horns are playing. Um, the guys on the team uh, all kind of look at him like he is some sort of a god. Uh, so we realize right away that Lance Harbor is, like, a big deal here. Um, we get to a pep rally after school. Uh, Dave, how would you describe um, Lance at this pep rally? Dude, he was king shit of fuck mountain. He was the exactly coolest what he was in school. Just the, that slow motion exit when he just walks out and just kind of the sun's shining right on him. Billy Bob runs up, grabs his bag, and says, anything I can do for you, I'm here so on and yeah. so forth and the way the girls react when he starts speaking he's like i had a really good dream but let me tell you something it wasn't that great oh i mean they oh, like they oh. like whistle they whistle and hoot when he says he was in bed last night like he is and i you know what paul walker is a beautiful man so i yes. get it but that was yeah a lot. i was gonna say like i'm sorry did you see the man that was delivering these lines like uh, paul was a god in the 90s like yeah young paul walker dreamy, yeah, anyone, legit dreamy. anyone who went to our high school looked like that um we'd all be doing the same thing let's be real yeah i do feel like we had we shouldn't dig into this but i feel like we had some guys that i remember not necessarily you because i think you were a little bit more careful with uh talking about how horned up you were in high school but there's a couple of names that come to mind that i won't put out there of girls that we hung out with who were like this kind of into those guys and so i i can get why they were gonna faint when he said that he was in bed last night but mm. at this pep rally uh kilmer is introduced he's a caricature of a football coach he's been there for 30 years he's won two state titles which really isn't that many in 30 years to be in one yeah. school but um he's also won 22 district titles so i'm assuming they just like choke at the end of the year every year because they're good every yeah. year and never won state um this dude has no fucking charisma. Uh, at the time, in like 98, 99, all of the great coaches in college, which were like Bowden, Paterno, uh, Bear Bryant was before that, they had so much charisma. This guy was dull. Like He would not have been any fun to play with. Um, he mauls the gum in his mouth. He squints a lot. He puts his hands on his hips, and that's, that's kind of about it. Um, watching this pep rally, which was at 9 in the morning, which seemed kind of early for a pep rally, I realized how lame our pep rallies were. I'm not like imagining that our pep rallies were terrible in high school, right? I mean, the fact that I can't actually pinpoint one particular one in my memory, other than this just generic, hey, it got us out of class for a little bit. And I say this as a member of the football team, and I, I was yep. not about them. I remember. They weren't any good. Yeah, no, I remember we had a dance at a couple, and it was like. <laughs> Like, okay, well, to your point, we're getting out of school, but nobody, like, really cares. No, no. Were Dana, they at the um, end? Sorry, did we have ours at the end of the day or in, like, the middle? Yeah. I'm, no, I'm they were at the end of the day. Yeah. They would have been, like, last oh. period. Instead of going to class, we had a pep rally. Everybody's tired and wants to go home. Yeah, that's – we set ourselves up for failure. We should have had it right at the beginning of the day. I yeah, mean, get pepped up. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. Usually before a football game and so – or, like, before, like, a big thing. So I remember them being, like, not, like, the worst thing in the world, but they, they certainly weren't that. Nobody's yeah, they weren't 
they weren't like dreadful, but it also, there was no like genuine excitement I felt like. It was just kind of like, here we all are. We're going to clap when the players come out or whatever. And that's kind of it. Uh, Dana, what were your pep rallies like in high school? So, yeah, as you were talking, I was like trying to think about it. And I, I like, I don't know, like for, for me, the, we would have like one for each season and in fall and spring I was in them. So you got to be out of class for even more time. So mm-hmm. they were great from my perspective and we would play like <laughs> silly games. Like there were also like the teams would compete in like dizzy bat or some like non-sport related, related things. So oh, they were see, fun. That's fun. Yeah. And then like, I think if we were good at a sport, like one year we were really good at football, another year we were good at basketball, they were fun but I would always find a way to like somehow be involved. So I, I would get out of class early to go be a part of it. So like from my perspective, it just meant getting out of like one and a half to two periods on the day of the pep rally. So they were great to me, but I honestly don't know what it'd been like if I wasn't somehow involved in the actual pep rally. Yeah. And I mean, we had like a legitimate big time rival in high school and even those pep rallies don't really stand out to me. So I, remember the, I wish I remember the Wabanzi basketball. Um, there was like yeah. that we were really good and that they were pretty good. Yeah, like, I think I that was senior year when Bobby won on like a three yeah. like a three pointer at the end of the game. I remember that one. I will say, as far as the football ones go, I think at least part of it was our class of '03 football team. You know, our our high school was was still pretty new when we were there. I think our year was pretty much the first time that the football team was like kind of worth a damn. That's what I told them last week. Right, we were the first year that actually made the playoffs. We were the first year, uh, I don't know, we might not have been the first year that had a winning record, but definitely the first year that made the playoffs. I think we were. I'm pretty sure we were the first year that had a winning record. So I I think, you know, maybe as, you know, our high school's culture evolved with some success, maybe pep rallies became a thing. But yeah, for us, it was was still pretty low-key. Yeah, and they've sent a bunch of players to, like, Big Ten schools at this point and stuff. So I bet they're probably a lot better now. But at the time, it was just kind of like, well, we're all required to be here, so let's get through this together. But um, back into the recap here, this is their first game that we're going to watch them play. This is uh, They have five games to go before the season is over. We see Billy Bob uh, doing a very homophobic version of the Valley of Death uh, verse from the Bible. Um, this is probably a good time to get into the segment that we call, What's Your Problem? So... I kind of thought this movie was going to be a lot more problematic than it was, um, especially from like a a homophobia standpoint, because so much of it is from this time. This is really kind of it for the the really bad sort of casual homophobia. But uh, Tweeter, probably the most problematic character that we've had so far. Um, He was pretty much a walking date rapist, you know, like just, I should say, you know, I mean, he, he was just all over the map with that. It was it was rough. Yeah, if if uh, rape culture was a person, it would be Tweeter. Um, he's talking about some girl in the beginning of the movie who we never see, by the way. But he says that she has looked that she just fell out of the "I'ma suck your dick" tree and hit every branch on the way down. <sighs> um, he yeah, he's he's kind of a lot to handle. Um, Megan, one- what what kind of got out to you for the uh, problematic stuff? No, I was just gonna build on that. There was one very disturbing quote. Um, and I don't have the whole thing written, but essentially it was like, he's walking into a party and he says, bitches are just panty droppers. You give them a Percocet, two Vicodins, and a few beers. And it was like. 
Yeah, and then Mox come ba- comes back to him and says, "I think I think they're at practice right before he goes." Yeah, like, that's so a what practice. is that? And Mox <laughs> right. goes, "I think he says something like, um, oh, I just had it in my notes.' Oh, Mox like calls him out on it. And it's like, like, are you gonna like prison or something? Like Mox yeah. recognizes that this behavior is not okay and like calls out that like Tweeter's gonna wind up in jail." And Tweeter like yeah. doesn't catch it, and then does the whole looking in his pants, going like, "What? What is? What is that?" You know, like, uh, yeah. Oh no, it's, it's 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 crazy. Uh, three opioids, uh, 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 Percocet, and two Vicodin, and then some beer. And you're gonna be mm-hmm. fine. No, that that kills people all the time, and he's just perfectly fine giving that to probably sophomores and juniors. Yes, maybe other yeah. seniors. It must be that. Jeez, man. Ugh. He he really drives it home because at the end of that he says, "And it's nice, it's, it's nice." nice. <laughs> okay. Like oh oh, we should. Oof, yeah, he probably did go to prison. Like, are you gonna enjoy prison, Twitter? Are you gonna enjoy prison? What? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There was also um, we talked about the scene where Mox's brother is in the Nation of Islam. Um, that they really could have made that a lot worse than it was, but there was just something odd about this kid very much culturally appropriating like the blackest of black cultures you could possibly have in America. And I'm like, yeah. and he's talking to like a, a black clerk at the gas station. And like I said, he hits him with an assalamu alaikum and the guy doesn't know that you're supposed to say back alaikum salam. Like that was all kind of uh, didn't need, you could have picked any religion. <laughs> you could have picked whatever you wanted to pick. Yeah, yeah. Um, he never explored like Judaism. I never saw him with no. a yarmulke on at any point. So like, there's definitely a gag part of his religious exploration. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he didn't. He did Yeah, because even like his him being the Shinto or the Buddhist was just him in like a karate outfit with prayer hands. Yeah. Like yes. he wasn't. No one seemed to steer him toward anything. He was just kind of picking and choosing along the way. Um, yeah. Also. Most things Coach Kilmer did were pretty problematic. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to strangle Mox in the middle of the, uh, would <laughs> top the list. Not yeah. ideal. You really shouldn't strangle other people. That's yeah, not With good. two hands. He throttled him. Both hands. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he literally threatens to fuck with his Brown scholarship that he's like worked so hard on because um, he's like not following his rules. And so, I don't know. He reminded me like of an extreme version of that one coach. I think it was last chance you where it was like mm-hmm. a coach from like Mississippi or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's, it was, it was like, it, yeah, it was not good. He is abusive. Like we just got done talking about how our coach would kind of abuse us. Coach still would be like mortified at the behavior from coach Kilmer. Cause like he, he's, he's the meanest possible person you could be not just from like a I'm gonna work you really hard but like I'm gonna make you feel bad about yourself I'm going to threaten your entire future over Mm -hmm. football it was a lot to handle but um in this game uh we see before the game gets going that Lance gets a shot in his knee which is probably like cortisone or toradol um during the game uh they call a QB sweep but Billy Bob is the lead blocker, and I need to 
break down all of the nonsense football in this movie because the football does not make sense in this movie. Mm. There is a 0% chance that enormous Billy Bob is lead blocking for anybody. He is gigantic. He is slow. He's not going to be able to block anybody in open space. You'd put a fullback there or a pulling tight end or even like an athletic tackle. Gigantic Billy Bob is not lead blocking for anybody. Uh, The hook and ladder is a big part of this movie. That's a real play. We had that play in high school. Um, We legitimately had that. We never called it or anything, but we had that play in our playbook. You can't do it the way they did it. Billy Bob is 100% right. He is not an eligible receiver. So if you try to run the play that they've run, you will get two penalties for trying that. They point out many times that this team is a famously run-based team. We find out Lance Harbor is going to Florida State on a scholarship. 1999 Florida State is not going to recruit a quarterback who comes from a run-based offense. Uh, He's not going to be first-team All-State in Texas if it's a run-based offense. If this is a run-based offense, Wendell should be the superstar of this team, and there should be like three or four running backs, not just one. I've never heard of a football team that runs like crazy until they get to the 10-yard line from the end zone, and then they want to throw the ball. Uh, Mox's oop-de-oop offense that he calls for himself in practice is a blatantly illegal formation. There is no way any coach, especially a crazy coach like Kilmer, is letting a kid call his own plays in practice, especially the backup quarterback. Mm. We mentioned at one point that uh, Wendell is getting looked at by Grambling. Grambling is, for those who don't know, like the cream of the crop for HBCU football. Um, At this time, they had won nine national championships. They are not recruiting a kid from Texas who runs 133 yards a game but can't score touchdowns. Um, a big, a big part of my life. So I'm, I'm a college football super fanatic. It is my, my greatest flaw. I feel like as a person, um, Dave has seen me on Iowa football Saturdays when we were living together. I had a full costume I'd put on that included a Viking helmet and a a flag as a cape, um, fingerless (laughs) gloves. I had an eye patch for a little while there. That was a fun look, made it harder to see. Um, Part of being super into college football is knowing a lot about high school football, too. Um, 133 yards a game is not a lot for a high school running back that's going to a big-time college. And if I found out Iowa is recruiting a kid who runs for 133 yards a game and can't score touchdowns, I'd be like, well, is he going to play defense? Like, could he, could he be a linebacker or something? There is that – that stood out to me so much that he's like, I run for 133 a game. And I'm like, okay, if you are a running team, you're the only running back, and you guys run for 133 yards a game, you're losing every game. Like, you're a bad football team. Uh, there's also a scene here where the guys go to the landing strip, um, the strip club. All the guys there play offense, right? There's a quarterback, a running back, a wide receiver, and one offensive lineman. If this team is a real powerhouse program, and if Kilmer is like this great of a coach, you can replace those guys. This is a running team. You should have had at least two other good running backs. Um, mm. Any team that's any good is going to have more than one wide receiver that's worth a damn. Mox, if it's a running team, just has to hand the ball off. He can be drunk during the game and not have a problem with it. And if your <laughs> offensive line falls apart because one of your guards is having a bad day, your team isn't any good. Lastly, 
the very last part, because I am on fire at this point talking about how much the football didn't make sense in this movie. We are in the state of Texas. There are no high school football playoffs in Texas, man. Like, why didn't this movie end with a playoff game? They just, mm. I guess, award a state title to some That drove me up a wall. I'm like, mm. district titles, okay, fine. You go to playoffs after that. The fact yes. that this movie ended with, like, a regular season game, oh, I was so upset. And I, this, was, this was their playoff, man. Oh, God. 24 thank minutes you guys. for the next 24 minutes of your life. It was their playoff. Listen, I want to thank you all for coming to my TED Talk. Um, <laughs> I, I know that was a lot to handle, but it's just like, I, I one time watched um, Rocky IV with a friend of my dad's who was like a very serious boxer. And oh. to hear him like get that worked up about how all the boxing in that movie is terrible made me laugh. I was picturing myself in this moment, just being like 133 yards a game. Grambling doesn't want you. You run, Florida State's not gonna want you. I I can go on with this all day, but uh, I appreciate you guys indulging me there because I I needed to get it off my chest. I had the hives. Um, well, wait. One thing I wanted to like I don't know if we were talking about it later, but like the fact that the whole like the four guys on offense go out means like they don't win. Like defense wasn't there. You're right. Like, shouldn't your defense be good? Like I didn't I didn't understand that. Like maybe you don't score enough points on offense. Like maybe it's a zero zero draw. Like I don't know. I just didn't Yes. Uh, yeah. Why is the defense bad? Um why do you only have one receiver that's any good? Yeah. Like this is if if your team okay, so when you when you follow recruiting, you notice that there's like you get a lot of players from the same teams often. Like, Iowa kind of recruits the same couple of high schools that are big-time powerhouses nearby. Those teams reload every year with a bunch of guys that go to play college football. The idea that, well, Tweeter is the only receiver that can play on this team and Wendell's our only running back, like, no. We had more than one good running back, and we weren't that great in high school. Anyway, I, I, I feel better now that we've talked this through. With the one asterisk that this is a very small town. In That's like fair. Middle of That's fair. Like they legitimately could have maybe only had one good running back. Or That's a good point. There's um, it in high school in high school in, in Iowa. There's high schools that are very very small, and mm-hmm. they play eight man football because they can't they can't field um, <laughs> eleven on both sides. Eight man football is fun to watch. Frankly, is it? They yeah. Yeah, it's 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 wide open because I mean you it's it's like watching Canadian football or whatever, um, but yeah, there's there's times that we'll get a kid that plays eight man football and um, everybody else on his team is like five eleven and forty five pounds and he's like six foot four two thirty five, so yeah, I can I can see that I can give him a pass that it's a small school in the middle of nowhere maybe they really only did have a couple of players that were any good that's a, a fine point Megan. Um, during this first game, Billy Bob uh, clearly sustains a very severe concussion. They do not care. Let him keep on playing. And then we wind up at the first post-game party. Uh, whose house is this party at? Do we know? Uh, John Party House. He's a middle <laughs> linebacker. John Party House. I have no idea, man. It doesn't make any sense. 
he hangs out with Barbados Slim. Any Barbados. parents or any supervisory people of any sort? Oh, not, not one. Not one. Uh, at this party, Tweeter in kind of a throwaway line is singing a country song called She Broke My Heart So I Broke Her Jaw, uh. which again adds to him being a problematic character. Um, there's a dude at this party who graduated in 1980 is still wearing his Letterman jacket and going to these parties, so he's a sexual predator. Uh, we find out Lance and his girlfriend have never had sex, which was odd to me. And then we get recently concussed Billy Bob binge drinking. He should not have been drinking like this. Like, someone should have taken care of him. Um, Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Well, at least I just, out for him. Yeah, I like the line in this when um, Mox is like, are you going to call some dinosaurs? He's like, I'm going to give him a holler. Like, I thought that was like a- <laughs> That was funny to me, and I didn't know what it meant. <laughs> like, I didn't know what call some dinosaurs meant. Oh, you have to somebody really, really being a bad place in the grown-up then. He's going to roar into the washing machine then. Yeah. Yeah, he, he pukes. I mean, the worst place to puke is a washing machine. Yeah. Like, so, even the floor is better than that. I said the same thing, but my boyfriend was like, well, at least you could just run it to clean it out. And I was like, Whoa. I guess? I guess I don't so. Know. <laughs> I, I mean, you better hope it's, it's going to get all of it. Because if that's just, like, kicking around in there, your clothes are going to smell like puke for a while. Mm. Uh, but at the next practice, um, it, it struck me very odd to see the dads just, like, sitting around watching practice, which... Yeah. I do believe that's like a small town Texas thing that, that the dads would come and watch the practice. But man, if coach still had one dad at a practice, he would not be there for very long. Um, no. Kilmer like fucking hates Mox. I don't know why Mox is the backup quarterback if he's hated this much by his coach, but. And skills, skills talk. He's got, I, mean, the skills. I, I guess, but he also apparently can't he's play got- according to everybody. He's got a cannon, though. Like, that was one thing during the first game. Like, he, the football rolls next to his feet while he's reading, like, Slaughterhouse-Five on the bench and not paying attention. <laughs> and he just, like, guns it at the ref, like, very he far from the, the camera. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, dude's got a cannon secretly, but he sucks. So that's why he's on the bench. Like, yeah. You know, and like, I was... I, sure. And I get that. Like, uh, they were clearly setting us up for Mox basically being, like, a skills mismatch for this team. Like, he's a really good got a really big arm, um, hates the coach. They're not a passing team. I get all that. But, like, I'm not going to lie here. Our varsity team, the depth chart was just, like, full of politics. It was – we we had a guy that we called NFL, uh, Jason Horton, oh, yeah. the best player I have ever played with. He was amazing. He broke the record in the state of uh, Illinois for punt return yardage and touchdowns in, in a single mm-hmm. season. Like, he was – a female. Yes, he was amazing and he didn't start. <laughs> right? What? So, like, yeah, he, he wasn't a starter. He was a backup receiver. He <laughs> played in college okay. at Illinois State. Um, and they, they played him a lot, but he never started a game because there was politics at play. And so they'd bring him in after our first series because the coach didn't like him for whatever reason. But yeah, I kind of feel like a backup quarterback that never plays would go to a guy the coach likes and just, like, likes to hang out with. But um, after that practice, we are at a barbecue at the Harbors. Uh, Mox and Lance's dad, uh, they both get into this dispute about which kid is a better quarterback. We should really kind of talk about these dads in this scene. They are hammered. They are yeah. drunk. 
They are belligerent. Um, mm. I'd be like mortified if my dad behaves like this. So they, they have this whole thing where they're going to figure out who's, you know, whose kid is better. Lance's dad calls a button hook for himself as his show off route, which I'm like, you're a dick. <laughs> like you're, you're big. I'm good at football route as a button hook. Uh, <laughs> I'll run five you, yards and then turn around real quick. <laughs> and I'm then good, showboat right? afterward. Uh, Mox's dad calls a slant and his drunk ass runs directly into a fence and Mox overthrows him. These were like the two most pathetic adult men I've ever seen. Uh, Lance's dad proposes a William Tell contest with beer cans and football to see who's better. Lance nails the can, of course. Mox drills his dad square in the face with the ball. And the heckling they give Mox ahead of this is wild. There's Fire like that fucking big skin. Fire big skin. You can do it. Lance's dad is drooling basically on the <laughs> You did. You should try harder. So yes. Oh my god. You can do it. I think that's my favorite scene of the entire movie. And just like Lance's dad, right before his William Tell moment, was like, "Come on, son, show him what you're made of." It is so crazy. It is so crazy. I I've never been that intense about anything. I don't think. <laughs> well, you can definitely tell it's like an intense thing that they're trying to drum up because there is a shot, I think, when like Mox's dad says to Lance's dad that my son's better at football than you or something. And the yeah. camera zooms in on James Vanderbeek's face like it did on like Roy Schneider's and Jaws. Like that yes. crazy, like the, I'm like, oh, this is it. Like we're having an intense moment. And I was just like, wow, they really like are trying to get us to buy this drama. But me the, yeah the the line before that was you think so you think you're better than my boy i mean it was that was bananas but it's great uh, too because prior to that there's literally zero tension between mox and zach throughout this entire no. movie and after the fact too so it's this this is entirely on the dads it's yes, this is two drunk dads embarrassing their kids. And I mean, it's, it's phenomenal the way they shot it. I had a, a lot of fun watching that scene. But uh, ever, next day we're at... Have you ever heard about Dance Mom? Yeah. This is like the dad version. Oh, oh, listen, I've seen every episode of Dance Moms and this would 100% for sure happen on that show. Yeah. Um, I don't, I, I was, we were on the dance team, we were on orchestras together in high school. I was not privy to any of those politics, but I 100% believe they happen. And if you have a story, I am all ears. Uh, well, I'm not going to go into the story now. We'll save it from some of the dance movies, but Fair. I mean, basically everything that you've said about kind of football and coaches and things like that, there's a counterpoint to growing up and taking ballet. Um, oh, absolutely. I buy that. World. Um, but there's dance moms there and then they get worse when you get into like the competitive dance, like the cheerleading and the palms. Um, so I'm sure, you know, I, I'm sure we'll talk about a few key, uh, key dance moms that you might um, understand from talking about crooks later on. Yeah. I am looking forward to that already. We should pick a dance movie soon so I can get some of these stories out. Um, we are at school the next day. They're in sex ed class because of course they're in sex ed class. Uh, the first time I saw this teacher, I'm like, oh, so she's, this is a porno. Like she's in a, in a school themed porn scene. Cause that's how they all look. And you know, mm -hmm. she had that look about her. And then, um, 
she is way too excited to talk about the male erection. So I'm like, yeah, that, I know where this is going. I've seen this before. Um, Moxon, for whatever reason, is an encyclopedia for slang terms about an erection. We never really explain like why this is something that he's great at, but I wrote them all down. So, so <laughs> sit tight, uh, pitching a tent, sporting wood, bicycles mm-hmm. form, the march oh. is on, stiff, stiffy, Mr. Mortis, rigor yeah. mortis has set in, flesh oh. rocket, Jack's beanstalk, tall Tommy, mushroom on a stick, Mr. Mushroom head, purple headed yogurt slinger, and Pedro. Pedro. <laughs> so like he is loving this and his teacher just seems like floored by all these terms for the male Pedro. erection. Yeah. Pedro. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. At this point, Billy Bob is clearly suffering from post-concussion symptoms three days after his injury. Um, he's like pouring in sweat. He's stumbling around. He goes to the bathroom. He comes back. He passes out. This movie in this moment takes like the first of a handful of very serious turns. Um, the kid's not okay. But the coach says you're going to play anyway. Um, in the next yeah. game, he's on Wait, an oxygen can I, tank. Can I comment on the So as someone who like coached high school sports – um, for a little bit, not too long ago, the concussion protocol is so, so intense now. Cause I remember getting yeah. concussion in high school and I think I missed two days of practice, two days, even in college, I got a concussion and I think I missed five days total. Yeah. Nowadays, like I had a kid and not to downplay what happened to her, but like you sometimes get hit in the head with a stick in field hockey. Like it just happens. It can kind of ring your bell a little bit. God, I sound like one of these old school football coaches. Just rings your bell. And <laughs> Dana uh, Kilmer over here. But like nowadays, if a kid even has like the glimpse of one, they're done for the season. Like I had a kid who got hurt in the first game. She came back two months later. And it's like no school until this amount of time. And then you can come back to school. And then it's like no homework. And then then you can find that like it takes months to come back and maybe that's the right way to handle it. But I was just like watching this back. Like now I'm like, Oh my God, that would never happen. I would have been fired if I had done that. Like I, it's just, it was wild to me. Cause like, I know I definitely have been like concussed and then like been shoved back out there. And now I'm like, maybe, maybe my brain would work better if someone would have cared, (laughs) but it's just so different now. So different. I've only had one concussion from football and it was during practice. It was a a dirty hit by uh, a guy that I know Eric remembers from high school, uh, Burke Baldwin. Um, Is that during Bull in the Ring, which I think is outlawed now, wasn't that? It is, it is outlawed, but it wasn't from that. It was, we were playing, um, you know, ones on ones and uh, probably Andy Long because it was a throwing play uh, through a pick. And, you know, if we go an interception in practice, like, the defense is supposed to run it back to the end zone, whatever you kind of just shut down and jog. This dude had like a full running start and hit me from behind. I did a front flip and landed on the back of my head mm-hmm. and had a concussion. I just lied about it. Like I knew I did not know where I was and I was not in shape to play, but I kept on playing. We also played with a kid in high school named Chuck Trucko who had probably like five concussions between freshman and sophomore year and they wouldn't let him play anymore. Like, for good reason. He he was great. He was a really, really good linebacker. But, like, by the end of our sophomore year, they were like, your career is over, dude. Like, your brain is – if one more, you might die. Mm-hmm. So, 
they cared about Chuck a lot more than they cared about poor Billy Bob here. Yeah. Um, I think that's the only thing that doesn't age well is like nowadays you would not like, I don't think people would allow, like it wouldn't fly after like all of the CTE stuff that I think that's the only thing about the movie that's like hard to watch. Yeah. In, like, well, the painkiller stuff too is not. Yeah. Really, yeah. Yeah. The rape not, culture. Yeah. <laughs> the, that too. Well, yeah, but, but yeah, the, the, uh, the concussion stuff, especially with everything that we're learning now, it's, yeah. you just look at it and you're like, wow. Wow. Yeah, the concussion stuff for sure. Um, it makes you uncomfortable now knowing what we know. Like these are high school kids, so like Billy Bob is not great in the future. I'm sure with his brain, but um, during the next game, he's on an oxygen tank. Uh, Mox is trying to make sure he's okay, and Kilmer is basically like, "Quit babying him. Get out there and die." Um, <laughs> that, that's basically what happens. Billy Bob goes out on the field collapses at the line of scrimmage. Uh, Lance gets sacked. His knee is fucked. We see Jules, his girlfriend, just like openly weeping. Oh, um, no. Yeah, it's, it's bad. And uh, we were talking about this a little bit earlier. And uh, Dana pointed out that Billy Bob should have gotten a false start here. And she's absolutely right. Like, the play should have been blown dead. Yeah, uh, it doesn't a, save Lance's knee, but I think it negates the fumble, and they well, no, go back. It, to, it, it would no. save his knee because no. if it's a false start, the play is blown dead before it starts. Like I, I played right. offensive line in high school. If you so much as like shiver when you're in your stance, the play stops and it's the penalty, and you go back. So yeah, the ref fell asleep there and uh, cost poor Lance the rest of his career. Must be playing um, Texas rules, man. Texas rules. <laughs> So um, after uh, Lance gets blown up and his knee is ruined here, Mox goes in to replace him. Billy Bob is allowed to keep playing for some crazy reason. And he's um, like fine after too. Like there's yeah, he's just pretty much back to normal. I feel like he literally just collapsed and just about passed out. And then he's like, you know, sure the shock of his friend getting you know injured, but like all of a sudden he's he's just pretty much good to go. Yeah, he's fine. He's he's and he plays fine for the whole rest of the game here. Um, we see Mox kind of uh, show off his arm a couple times, hits a perfect forty-yard pass to Tweeter on his first snap. Then he drills the opposing mascot square in the face, which stops the clock. Which another thing that Coach Still would have like pulled you from, and you don't play for the rest of the season. Um, Mox can't understand the play call that's coming in because he's reading Kurt Vonnegut instead of his playbook. And uh, mm. he calls he calls a, a halfback pass to himself, which is, like, not the play that you call if you're confused, but they win the game. And Kilmer is, like, outraged that they won the game like that. Um, in this next scene, they're at the hospital. Did you know they were a running team? Well, As yes, he, they are. Over and over again. We run the ball exclusively, which is why our quarterback is first team All-State for the last two years. <laughs> uh, they, they're at the hospital now. Um, Kilmer and Lance's dad want to know how long Lance is going to be out. Doctor says he tore every ligament in his knee. So, like, ACL, MCL, LCL, and PCL are all destroyed. He may never walk again, basically. <laughs> um, Kilmer plays dumb. Like, he didn't know that he had any kind of knee problems at all. Uh, which really bothers Mox, who drives Darcy to the post-game party, and I don't know how else to put this. Darcy is, like, clearly trying to seduce him and throw herself at him because he's the starter now. Yeah, she's shooting um, her shot. She's trying she's to... She's shooting her shot. She's like, I see big things for this guy now. 
hitching my wagon to this guy. I mean, it's it's not even subtle. She just gets like naked in the car, which, I mean, yeah, I, a bold move didn't quite pan out for her. Um, they get to the party. The cops show up. They do not care that a bunch of kids are drinking. They just want to make sure nobody's driving. And of course, this is when Tweeter steals the cop car and yells out, "I'm going to jail." As um, <laughs> he drives away. Uh, we see Mox at the mini-mart trying to buy a Coke. He's not allowed to buy a Coke because the cashier insists he take a free six-pack. He's the quarterback Dude, I, now. My favorite beer brand beer. It's my favorite. Yes. It. It, it looks like Bud. It's beer brand beer. It's was beer that brand. beer chilled? Like, does that guy nope, just it was under the counter. Yeah, he just <laughs> keeps it. I gotta wait to give a six-pack to an underage kid. Like, what? I can hot beers. That? Yeah, yeah, that gross. Fuck off that with that. Job mess. tonight. Have some warm beer right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tweeter pulls up in the cop car with three naked sophomores, but Mox doesn't get in. Uh, I, I I don't know why he didn't get in. Um, he has a He's girlfriend, a gentleman. but I mean, He's a gentleman. but he gave his jacket to that girl. So like, okay, because she, she was cold. Well, she wasn't cold. She was horny <laughs> and was trying to get her dick wet. And, oh. well, it, it comes, it's a callback. And uh, oh. I, I can understand him not getting in. But if, if, perchance, your girlfriend is going to see this naked sophomore in your jacket, you're still going to be in as much trouble as if you went with her. So I'm like, just don't even get your jacket to do any of that, regardless. Mm. We cut forward to the third game. Uh, Mox is leading the Coyotes to a 66-3 to win. This is kind of a nothing game just to show that they are rolling. Uh, Mrs. What if the Coyotes aren't very good? That was one thing I wrote in my notes. What if they just aren't good? <laughs> well, yeah. Because not, not. not necessarily good. I mean, it, even in Texas, I'm sure that there are some dogs at the bottom of every division. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. They might be trash. So who could like? Oh, Mox would help them win another. Six points. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I was saying um, our junior year we only won one game. We won that one game like forty-two to three. Uh-huh. <laughs> like we, we we played a dog of a team too. But uh, yeah, it, it could entirely be that whoever they're playing here is just straight up trash. Um, this scene is mostly just kind of set up so that we can see Mrs. Davis drives a saline Mustang, which is like. It's a, a spindy car for a teacher, as Mox points out. Then um, Mox does an interview at playing in college. He's obviously getting a big head here, and uh, we're really kind of setting up that him being a superstar is changing his character, and um, Jules is not pleased by this. She's very upset that he's changed, and all of a sudden he's saying, oh, heck, and... Thanking God. Uh, he says Jonathan Moxon's only one man. So he's clearly like, <laughs> he's really feeling himself here. It's, I love it's, the look on the reporter's face when he says that too. That's <laughs> tell just how much of a douche he's being in that particular moment. Yeah, nobody buys that any of this phony shit out of him. Um, at this point, he now has a billboard in the front of his house after winning two games, which seems kind of like a lot after two it's not, games it's not two games i'm gonna call it like one and a quarter or yeah. like one and a tenth he did yeah he two he plays. played one game and one touchdown <laughs> one series <laughs> like what is no. yeah a so full-blown billboard 
being that they're a running team, what kind of billboard does Wendell have in his, you know, front yard as well? I don't know. You should have like a skyscraper erected to him or something like that. (laughs) Number one, he doesn't have one. Number two, he has no character development, so we didn't get to see his house. Yeah. Uh, This is where we introduce the hook and ladder, um, which is a complex play. You throw it to the receiver, the receiver laterals it to another receiver. Mox calls it for Billy Bob for some reason, which of course he blows it because he's still concussed. And then Kilmer calls Mox the dumbest smart kid he knows, which that's, that's a great line. You're the oh. damn dumbest smart kid I know. No, I hate that. I've had coaches like <laughs> say that to me. Not like just God, me, really? like our whole team. Yeah, because like uh, when I played in college, we like it was a fairly good academic school. We were all there like we were playing field hockey because we just wanted to. Like none of like some people were recruited, but there wasn't really much money for it because of our league. Yeah. And like if we couldn't get plays, like our coach would be like, "You guys are like the dumbest smart kids I've ever met," and it used to drive oh, me insane. To the point where, like, when I would coach at, like, a very nice private school, I would never try to say it. i just be like, you guys are overthinking this. You guys are overthinking this drill. Let's take a step back. Let's break it down into parts. But shit like that, drive, it drove me insane when my coach would say that to us. Cause, and it would just make us more annoyed at her because we didn't really like her. But she would say, like, ooh, it gets under my skin. So. And see, and that's another thing that Coach still would never say to us. There was, there was a time that I recall we were watching um, – post-game film this would have been like near the end of the season and we had this guy on our team named Hans who looked like a division one football superstar like he was like pretty built he was tall he was a cornerback and I can remember he we he like didn't try to make a tackle he was basically Deion Sanders like Deion ain't here to tackle and so he let the guy score because he didn't want to tackle him and Coach still really laid into him and, like, pulled up his stats from the season. And he wanted to cuss. We never heard Coach still cuss once. He None wanted to cuss. None of, well, Coach Cook cussed because he wasn't – he was the only one that wasn't religious. <laughs> like, he was the he was l- lone – Yeah, he was, like, already – he was probably, like, 28. He was young. But I remember Coach still was so mad at Hans at looking at his stats. I remember, like, it was yesterday. He goes, male branch. God bless America. You have two tackles on the season? <laughs> so, yeah, he, he almost said, God damn it. I, was, I would have laughed my ass off if he did. But, yeah, he was never, like, going to belittle us like that or, like, your coach or – yeah, so he calls Mox, dumbest smart kid he knows. Um, then he chews out Billy Bob after practice for being bad at football, despite the fact that he's clearly still got his post-concussion symptoms going on here. Uh, Darcy tries to get Mox to come over to her house that night because her parents are going to be gone. And am I crazy here? Her makeup looks like she's very ill. Like it's yeah. no, I remember yeah. thinking, uh, and I guess <laughs> she just looked rough, you know, just, like yeah. uh, <laughs> haggard and, and a little pale. Yeah, and like Ali Larder is a beautiful woman, and she was like good looking in this movie. But just whatever they did to her hair and makeup in this scene, I'm like, Mox, you might not want to go over there. She might have the COVID. Like it's you keep your distance from her. Um, Too soon? Nah, we'll 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 see. We'll see. (laughs) So um, we get this quick scene where he's in the mini mart and Mox is like trying to talk himself into having sex with Darcy. 
he then does go over to Darcy's, and this is where we get Darcy in the whipped cream bikini, probably like the most famous single shot from this movie, except for I Don't Want Your Life. Uh, Lance, Mox doesn't hook up with her, and she kind of pours her heart out about how Lance was her way out, but now that he's hurt, she's going to be stuck there forever. And again, this movie takes like a really serious turn, kind of out of the blue. Um, was I the only one who was uncomfortable watching her sit full on bare ass on the couch, getting like whipped cream all over everything? I yeah, I I totally agree with that. I mean, for supposed to be like a a kind of character defining moment for her you know, like actually getting to her motivations of why she was like throwing herself at these two players. And I have her deliver that whole, you know, part of her life while covered naked, you know, and whipped cream and shit <laughs> kind of diminished the whole, whole thing a little bit for me. I mean, they put a towel around her shoulders, put the towel on the couch. Like you're sitting your bare butt cheeks on that couch. So we're at school the next day and, uh, this is where we find out that basically Kilmer is like a racist dickhead because he's not really using Wendell the right way. He's not promoting him the right way. Uh, Mox really does do like a full 180 on Coach, says that he also hates him. Uh, they're mad that Coach has been mistreating Billy Bob, and they kind of decide to take the team over for themselves. We also get this scene where Mox and Darcy kiss. Uh, Jules sees it. I was confused why they were kissing because they did not hook up the night before. Um, can anybody explain to me why Mox just like kisses her on the mouth in the middle of the hallway? You don't just yeah. give your friends appreciation kisses all the time, Crooks? Is that what you're talking about? I never me? did. Dude, <laughs> it, it was the heat of the moment. Oh, Dave. It happens sometimes. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. Dave. It just happens sometimes. So weird. I know. It was so awkward. Um, then at practice, this is where we get tweeter talking about drugging girls and raping them that is very much his way and uh that night jules dumps mox at top notch which again is a callback to our last episode uh dazed and confused um mox has his whole plan to get the team together at the strip club and this scene is just ridiculous it's Mox, billy bob tweeter wendell and they had gotten lance to come with them to this whole thing um, Billy Bob jumps up on stage, takes his clothes off, and in response, the bouncer just gives him another beer. Um, mm -hmm. Eric and Dave, yep. do you guys remember my 25th birthday in Vegas at the Palomino when uh, yeah, yes. Bobby Clausen took off his yes. clothes in the strip club? I yes, I, I do. I do. That was, uh, that was a thing that happened, 100%. I, I don't Nobody know. gave him more beer after that. Nobody. Actually, we kept all the beer away from him for the rest of the night. He did barf into a cup that then splashed up onto the stage, and he amazingly did not have a giant guy just throw his ass out. So maybe there's a little more leeway than you'd expect. I don't know. Well, not yeah. only that, uh, Jake disputed charges for lap dances that night. Jake would do that. The, the, he got... <laughs> This this one lovely young lady like parked out next to him and probably gave him like ten or twelve lap dances, and then when we were getting ready to leave, she's like, "All right, it's going to be two hundred bucks," and he's like, "I didn't agree to this." And so like, he didn't pay her. I'm like, "Those, <laughs> right?" 
Like I didn't, I didn't say I wanted that to happen. I thought you just liked me. Um, we were the worst at that strip club. Um, but it turns out my premonition from earlier is 100% correct. Miss Davis might not be a porn star, but she is a stripper. Uh, she's like embarrassed to see them at first, but after like maybe four seconds, she is just fully back into it. She's like having drinks with them afterward. Uh, Tweeter is trying to have sex with her because of course he is. Um, I didn't understand at all why they made her a stripper. Like it wasn't. I do. Dude, we don't pay our teachers enough. They need to <laughs> well, take jobs, and she needs a Celine Mustang. So to be able to live up to that, you got to make a lot of extra money. Well, and I, I just I, love too how she clearly isn't trying to hide the fact that she's also a teacher as she comes out and dances to Hot for Teacher by Van Halen. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I had the so, same question. I'm like, what? I'm like, you mean to tell me that none of the dads in that small town go to that strip club and be like, oh, yeah, there's the, uh, the lady who teaches my son. You know, I like, know, because she's teaching here, too. Right. <laughs> she has a chocolate. How did this happen? <laughs> Here, here's what I think actually happened. She was, she started as a stripper and the principal of the school was there one night and was like, damn, we need somebody to teach health and sex education. Oh. And it's all she wrote. That is canon now. That's officially canon. That's good. Um, Very good. So, the guys leave this strip club. It is broad daylight. They are super hungover. And this is right before they play their fourth game of the season. Um, they're losing 13 to nothing, and they're playing like shit. Uh, the other team is showboating in a way that would get them so many penalties. They, like, try to get it together. And the first time that I watched this, I'm like, all right, Mox is going to, like, rally them, and they're going to pull us off. No, they wind up losing 20 to 3. Um, like, it's, it's bad, and Kilmer blows up at Billy Bob, throws him out of the locker room so he doesn't want to see his fat face around here again. Very sad. Um, in the postgame, Mox goes home. His dad is mad that they lost, and this is where we get Mox giving the iconic line, I don't want your life. Mm -hmm. uh, Billy Bob drops off his pig at Mox's house, which makes Mox very concerned. Mox goes to find him. This is like a super sad scene. No, he um, says to his brother, he doesn't know how to take care of him anymore. That's very, yeah. very scary. Yeah, he says, well, why did you have bacon? And Billy, he says, well, Billy Bob gave him to me because he said that you would know how to take care of him. Like, he's, he's never coming back, apparently. And so... Um, this movie does a number of times where it like vacillates from wild comedy to like very heavy drama. This scene is heavy fucking drama and Billy Bob is acting his ass off in this scene. Like he's drinking whiskey from a bottle. He's shooting all of his old football trophies with a shotgun. Um, you very much get the vibe. He's about to kill himself. And uh, Mox convinces him that life is worth living. Like that's the whole point of this, this scene here. Um, in the next morning, the two superfans, the cop superfan and the non-cop superfan over Mox's house, and I wrote down, Mox's dad calls his own son Mox, yeah. which is fucking hilarious. Mm. Um, when I was in middle school and high school, and all the way up until I moved to Iowa when I was 20, 28, 
people only called me Crooks. Like it's, it, it's strange for people in high school if anybody calls me Brian. My dad would never call me Crooks. Like, no, Brian is your name, I'm gonna call you Brian. But to hear Mox, his dad call his son Mox, was fucking hilarious. Um, this is where we see his little brother now as a cult leader. His mom is all like, oh, you got a cult. Uh, Mox gets into Brown. We find out in this scene, he has a full scholarship and his dad does not give a shit and only wants to talk about this upcoming Gilroy game. Um, back at school, Billy Bob announces that his cat got a scam. So he got a cat scam. Yeah, scanned uh, his cat. It's good. Yeah. He is now somehow fully healed. A CAT scan doesn't fix your brain. Like, I, I was very thrown by the fact that he got a CAT scan and it's now totally fine. No, no, he, um, he had a uh, counseling session with, uh, per, with uh, Dr. Mox last night. He, he, was, he was able to fully express himself and let everything out, and he feels <laughs> a lot better. And then he also gets a CAT scan and finds out that he's fine. So I'm sure that kind of helps everything to make a lot more sense when you find out, I thought I was messed up, but I guess I'm okay. Hey man, Little. listen, whatever, whatever lets him play, I guess. Um, yeah. This is the scene where at practice, uh, Kilmer like really pronounces that they're a running team. They always will be. And he threatens to screw Mox out of his Brown admission if he doesn't play the way that Kilmer wants. Um, this now leads us into our last game of the season, which is like the end of the movie here. They start off with a very serious, like, compulsory Lord's Prayer, which we also did in high school, which, oh. boy, howdy. We had, um, we had at least one Jewish kid on our team, and I believe uh, Diraj, I think, is Hindu. And I remember there was a point where Coach Wells was like, hey, if anybody's uncomfortable with the prayer, like, stand up now and tell me. Otherwise, we're going to do it. Like, well, they're not going to stand up now and tell you, Coach. Get, get ready to never play again. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I used to fake as though I was religious to go to Fellowship of Christian Athletes meetings to help my stance on the team. So, for right. sure, our one Jew and our one Hindu are not going to be like, no, I'm not okay with this. Um, but yeah, seeing the Lord's Prayer kind of, we are in a public school, but we're going to do this shit anyway. Um, in this moment, Kilmer says if they lose, they can't win state. Um, they've only lost one game before, so that kind of threw me. Um, Wendell tears his hamstring in this game and then gets like fully blown up. And after this play, Gilroy, the opposing team, their showboating goes like off the fucking rails. Yeah. One dude does a round off backflip after like a nice play. Another guy is literally break dancing in the end zone uh, after taunting the defender with the ball and then like full on gronk spiking the fuck out of it when he scores mm -hmm. a touchdown. Um, we the mentioned. Flags? I feel like there should be flags on sports. Where are the flags? Yes. Okay. Well, you can't do, you this can was play the late in college. Yeah, was um, was 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 this a time where people were allowed to do a lot more showboating in the late nineties, or was it already something that they would throw flags for? This so was this would have been no, this would have been after the U. So Miami had already peaked at this point, and they already had that video of all the taunting you can't do. So like, yeah, you you can't do this. Um, we talked about Jason Horton a minute ago. Eric, uh, do you remember in high school, I think we were seniors at this point, when Horton got in trouble for showboating during films? 
that's one's not ringing a bell. It, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me because any any celebration that didn't essentially involve uh, hugging your teammates was was able <laughs> to like just rode your ass out of there, or even spiking a football. So, so I was sitting next to him because we sit next to each other in films a lot for whatever reason. He was a receiver when I was a lineman. We sat by each other a lot in films, and when the play started, it was like a, like a 95 yard punt return touchdown or whatever. And when the play started, he nudged me. He's like, coach is going to fucking hate this. And he showboated for the last like 20 yards. Like he was Dion high stepping. He turned around backwards to like backward trot into the end zone. And I remember Wells, our coach, our varsity coach played it like 10 times, like the last couple of seconds as though it was the Zapruder film. And he was trying to make him feel feel bad. And I could just feel this kid, like, stifling laughter next to me the entire time. So, yeah, you, you for sure, if he would have been, like, doing gymnastics and breakdancing, like, that for sure would not have gone over very well. Um, but at halftime here, uh, we see that Wendell, with his torn hamstring, is about to get shot up with painkillers, and the movie is back to being very serious again. There's, like a full-on mutiny. Uh, Billy Bob, Mox, and Tweeter all threaten to quit the team if Kilmer stays as head coach. At this point, <laughs> Kilmer just chokes Mox with both hands. Like, yeah. I, I have a question about that. Yeah. Like, so, okay, not the choking, because like I think that turned the tides a little bit. <laughs> we'll come back to that. But, like, Mox is like, if those four guys stand up, or Mox kind of starts his talk and saying, like, we're not going to do this. And having been on a team... I've only ever obviously played sports girls, but like even on teams of like 20 people, we didn't all get along. And like, would everybody have been on Mox's side and been like, Kilmer's got to go. Some people might be like, he's only a dick to you. He's fine to me. Like, I just don't, I don't buy that. Everybody's like repping for Mox maybe until Kilmer chokes him. But up until then I'd be like, Mox the dick. This like bench rider is going to ruin this for me. Like I might've had some feelings. I'll tell you what, we even had guys in high school that would have been okay with coach choking somebody if it would have, like, helped them get on the field. I, a full mutiny would not happen, especially if, like, our dads were still idolizing this guy. Like, no. The way that goes is, Mox, you walk by yourself. Like, we're all playing for Kilmer still. It's fine with us. Um just want to make sure it wasn't crazy, but I'm like, oh, no. a lot of people would have been like, fuck Mox, like, get rid of him. We've got to have someone else on this team. Yeah, I, I can hand the ball off, coach. <laughs> like, yeah. for sure, somebody is jumping into that role immediately. Um, the, the scene with Kilmer trying to rally the team is, like, really sad and pathetic. Um, I, I watch uh, Come on, let's go! It reminds me of... Let's go! Yeah, come on, let's go! All right, it's all okay, let's go! Yeah, oh, so so (laughs) y'all ain't coming. It reminded me... Y'all ain't coming. Cool, great. Yeah, it's it's very sad and kind of deflating. It's, uh... It it reminds... I I don't know if they were trying to draw a parallel here. Um, Woody Hayes was, like, a legendary coach at Ohio State, and his career ended because he, like, choked a player on the opposing team in the middle of the game and, like, punched him in the helmet. And that was the end of what he hates. Um, so I think that might have been kind of what they were going for. Because after that moment, Hayes keeps coaching the game. And on the sidelines, all the other coaches are, like, keeping their distance a little bit. 
<laughs> like, we don't want to get too close to Coach Hayes, who's obviously going to prison for assault after this game is over. Um, but the last that we see of Kilmer is him just, like, walking off toward the field by himself. Uh, Mox rallies the team with a speech of being heroes and living for the moment. He gets a slow clap because, of course, he does. And it's, like, a completely sincere slow clap which is always kind of weird to see in a, in a sports movie that's taking itself seriously. Um, the rest of the game here, Mox and Lance are kind of calling their own plays with Lance on the sideline calling plays in. And the concept of five wide receivers on the field like blows the mind of everyone here, which is... That was so ridiculous. Everyone looks so confused. Just How many receivers are there? What? What's going on? Exasperated on the other team, you know, like just like, oh my god, what's happening here? How can we possibly defend this? Oh, what? Five receivers. It's like going all the way back to when they first started with the forward pass. Everyone, yes, completely out of their minds. Like nothing makes any sense anymore. Yeah, this is this is like Newt Rockney shit. Like you have blown my mind with a fifth wide receiver. Yeah, um, I I was openly laughing. Well, this also just like caught my attention because earlier, like in one of the previous games, like Bud Kilmer doesn't call the plays. There's some other coach that does all the stuff that Mox like can't remember or yeah, doesn't the seem to be able to figure it out. Yeah, so there's many coaches. They all left. <laughs> they That's all were really like, "Oh, point. you don't like Kilmer?" Oh so my god! <laughs> I didn't even think school? about that. Yeah, it's a high school sport. You have to have a coach. So like. Yeah. When I coached field hockey, like, they wound up changing the rules because, like, um, at one point, like, a coach can get cards and then they'd be kicked out, but that mm. couldn't work because some schools only have one coach. So if you got carded enough times, they'd take one of your captains off the field because they, you mm. can't leave children unattended. So <laughs> it was just like... Oh, my God. Like, they all just walked never... off the job? Okay. Yeah, uh, that never crossed my mind. Unless you're in Bring It On, and then you can have no coaches always. Well, no coaches. That's a girls' activity. That wasn't a sport, so that's probably how yeah. they skirted around it for Bring It On. It's an after-school but. club. Yes. It's official. That Okay, yeah, because, yeah, there was – I mean, okay, in high school we had head coach, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, offensive line, defensive line, linebackers, defensive backs, running backs, wide receivers, tight end coaches. They uh, – never crossed my mind for one second that they just all, I guess, walked off with Kilmer and nobody took the reins of that. There's um, gotta be like one coach the kids like. Like there's always somebody. like you might hate the head coach or one of the but there's like one coach to probably been like, I hate Kilmer too, but guys we gotta like nope. They all just were like, oh ooh, we're out of here. Like we're leaving. Like yeah, that was again I think I always bring my coach hat to some of these teen movies about sports. I'm like Yeah and I mean I loved my position coaches. They were always great. Um, senior year, one of them gave my our offensive line coach gave us a pre prom talk that was the most awkward shit I've ever seen in my life. It must have been pre homecoming. And he was like, "All right, guys, I know homecoming is this weekend, and uh, oh, how do I say this? Um, <laughs> I know, I know, I know. A lot of you guys just want to get that date and bang, 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 bang. Don't do it." <laughs> And that was the whole speech. <laughs> you didn't have to say anything. So, like, yeah, Eric, you like your – you had, what, Abner or Roller? Who did you have? Your, your I, I had, well, I had both. I think uh, Roller was – I think he was sophomore year, and then Abner was junior and senior year. And, you yeah, know, they were, they were awesome. 
you know, everyone was cool as shit. Right. They were great. If, if our, you know, version of Kilmer would have left the, the field, you better believe like, I would have been like, all right, well, defensive line coach has got it. We're all good. <laughs> coach Cook would take over and we all get drunk after the game was over. Right. Um, so they come back onto the field here after this whole, we're going to go five wide. Uh, Lance calls the hook and ladder from the sideline in a way that is amazingly obvious for anybody mm. that understands what their play is going to be. I mean, he gives himself a fish hook and then climbs the ladder. Like, it, we know ah. it's coming. Um, Wait, it wasn't seconds, the annexation of Puerto Rico? That's the play I thought they were supposed to be running. From uh, the annexation of Puerto Rico, uh, <laughs> word to little giants. Um, we had that play, too. We had that one, too. Um, that was the fumble ruski we had in our playbook as well. We had a lot of fun plays we never called. Um, yeah, I wish they would have run. That would have made more sense with Billy Bob. I'm sure he could, like, fall forward for a few yards. But calling him on a hook and ladder is fucking nonsense. But um, yeah. with seven seconds left, the hook and ladder miraculously works. Billy Bob basically goes full William Fontaine de la Tour d'Autrive. He's the oh, bulldozer yeah. here. <laughs> yeah. He carries, like, four guys into the end zone with him. Uh, the Coyotes win. Um this is the end of the season. There are no playoffs. They are drinking beer on the sideline uh, after the game is over and celebrating well, the win. Drinks beer, uh, well, Tweeter drank beers because Tweeter drinks beer. And they went up doing what they do because that's what they do. Yeah. And that's, that's the end. Um, Mox gives like a closing monologue kind of about what happens to everybody afterward, but it's very kind of vague. Uh, Lance coaches there and um, – Wendell goes to Grambling, and it's it's very much kind of like surface level sort of stuff. But I, I don't the, buy that. Mox says he like never plays football again. I don't buy that. You think he's not going to try to like show up those Ivy League kids at Brown and be on like the intramural team? Like, well, I don't I buy mean, that he never plays football again. No, it doesn't make sense, especially having gotten like a taste of stardom you know he's going to play at least intramurals. They ask him about playing at Brown. Um, Ivy League schools do not give athletic scholarships, um, at least for football they don't. They might for basketball, which might be why Princeton's good every once in a while. But like, you know, they, they find ways. To, like it's, They'll give you like grants. Right, like, right. Yeah. But I just feel like he'd at least play like intramural club. He probably would have walked on it at Brown. Like, I'm sure with, with an arm like that, he could have walked on it brown, no problem. But, yeah, I guess he never plays again. And uh, what, was, what was Billy Bob's thing? Um, Billy Bob cried because he's a oh, crier. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Billy Bob cried because he's a crier. And yeah, that's uh, – Twitter drink beer. It's, 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 it's drink him. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the end of him. Um, so I wanted to really quick sort of talk about some of the more memorable performances from this movie. Uh, I John Voigt's performance as this coach, I don't I don't think he was like great in this movie, but he was he was memorable. Like yeah. I will remember Coach Kilmer, I think, moving forward as you know, in kind of the pantheon of these coaches and movies. He was a pretty good one here. Um obviously Scott Kahn. Uh sure. I think I think of everyone in this movie, he probably does stand out the most. Is, does anybody think there's anybody else that kind of is a more memorable performance than Scott Kahn? No. No. Not even. No. no. I, 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 can, I think Billy Bob should be on that list. He really should. He was, he was the best actor in the movie. 
Yeah, they they actually, um, I guess James Vanderbeek was saying, like his agent was like mad that Billy Bob was like actually stealing the show. Oh. Yeah. I, I mean, and he did. Like he was, he was really good. He was, there was a lot of like nuance in his performance. When I first saw him, I'm like, okay, he's going to be like, the fat kid who's like a joke in the movie. That's usually what this is in a sports movie. They gave him a lot to do and he was, he was a lot of fun to watch. Um, and then, yeah, he was, he was great. Um, and then of course, you know, we can't forget James Vanderbeek. He, I don't know what his performance was exactly. He didn't really settle on anything in particular with Mox, but um, he was trying really hard. I, I will say, he was really trying to do whatever it is he was doing with that accent. Wait, are you giving him like an, a medal or an award for participation? Is that, is that what's happening? Not here? participation, uh, effort. Um, well, you really I, tried your hardest. Yeah, I feel like he nailed giving me like uh, a Peyton Manning air. Like I definitely got Manning vibe from him, which I don't He's know. He's Eli. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Peyton is funny. Peyton Manning has all kinds of charisma. This dude is a full Eli. Or he's yep. that third, David Manning, the one that's like an accountant. Like okay, he's the Cooper. third Manning. Cooper that's is Cooper. the eldest. I'm sorry, Thank you very Cooper much. Manning. My apologies. Um, as a Giants fan, he is no Eli Manning. I don't know why. He's not like chill enough. I don't know. I felt more, of a, I felt more of a Peyton vibe from him. So I think, you know, I don't know if Peyton Manning was a big deal in 1999, but... Yeah, I think he won the Heisman in 98. Okay, James Vanderbeek seemed to be channeling that, so I kudos. Get that, yeah. Kudos, good sir, for nailing I, that vibe. <laughs> I can get that. Um, before we kind of get into some of the segments here, I feel like this is a question for Megan and Dana specifically, because the women in this movie were kind of few and far between. Um, did you guys crush on any of these guys when you were back in high school? Paul Walker, yes, obviously. Um, I don't think I had a crush on Paul Walker in high school, but re-watching this movie, I definitely did. <laughs> <laughs> I do now. Like, I feel you, like he made I, his I, hair I blonder. There was like curls. Ooh, yeah. Everything about yeah. it. Excellent. Fair. And no judgment in the least on that. I, I kind of feel like um, if his character wasn't super gross, I do feel like Scott Kahn could have gotten there too because he's like a good looking guy and they put him in like a lot of cowboy get up with the tight jeans and all that. I could see yeah. that really appealing to a certain demographic of high school girl. One thing I wanted to call out about Scott Kahn, he is a tiny man. Is yes. he, was he like the Julian Edelman of the uh, team here? Like he just seems oh, like yeah. a very tiny wide receiver. He plays in the slot for sure. He's okay. the, the little shifty guy that runs the inside slants. He's the Wes Welker type. Yes, Wes Welker. I couldn't remember the prior version of Julian. Yep. <laughs> they just keep on doing that same guy over and over again. Um, now, when you look back at some of these movies sometimes, um, one of the things that really does kind of jump out at you from movies in this era are some of the fashion and hair choices that we see here. So we're gonna quick get into a segment we call Frosted Tips and Butterfly Clips. <whistles> Eric, being that you are the guest, you get first dibs here. Uh, what look stood out to you the most in this movie? So kind of like we touched on a little bit earlier, I feel like 
this movie probably wasn't quite as egregious with its its fashion. You know, everything was pretty generic. But um, one of the the first scenes of the movie, you know, they have the uh, I think it's the rally or whatever, and then it's it's Mox talking to Jules, like I think it's under the stadium bleachers or something like that. And it's yeah. just, I noticed it in the movie. Mox has his game jersey tucked in, and I'd be probably has a belt buckle or something, but he has these just gigantic jeans. <laughs> I, I couldn't remember, you know, like in the very late 90s, early 2000s, I thought like the whole super baggy clothes of the, like the mid 90s had probably kind of passed by then, but you could have put two James Vanderbeeks in these jeans. They were big. They were big, and they weren't, they weren't like Jinkos where they were supposed to be comically big. They just, seemed like they had so much extra material oh yeah especially now that we're so used to seeing like especially high school kids in skinny like the skinniest possible jeans so that was a, a bold choice um megan what look did you want to talk about this week so i usually pick the female characters because um around this time i you know i it spurs up some memories of something i either wanted to wear or would you know saw but would never be able to wear in high school <laughs> um, but like there to your point there wasn't a ton of fashion choices um to really choose from or female characters um right. so i mean we mentioned this and we were chatting in the beginning um but ali larder was at one point was basically wearing like all blue um mm -hmm. and like at the party where she um tried to seduce I think, was it she tried to seduce Mox or Lance? I, I, she was trying to seduce Lance at that point, trying yeah. to convince him to give her his virginity. Yes, it was when she was trying to seduce Lance and she was wearing this blue top that um, instead of spaghetti straps, it had the spaghetti straps like coming out of like the center. <laughs> That's what happened. Um, and that is definitely something, and it's, you know, it's like kind of skin tight. And it's definitely something I like saw at like Claire's or Delia's or something um, of that nature back in the day. Um, and then I think she had those like really high, like cushioned um, sandals that were also blue. Um, but that was, and then she had a, like her hair, I think the way that she had her hair kind of like pulled up in the, in the middle, she wore that um, look quite a bit. And I remember I pulled off that look quite a bit, um, at least. Oh, you did. Yeah. Um, but those were the only kind of two things that really stuck out to me other than I know that you guys are going to talk about a lot of the guys' wardrobes. So. Yeah. Yeah. We have some things to talk about there. Uh, Dana, what look did you want to focus on this week? Oh man. Yeah. I feel like this one is an interesting one. Um, oh, one thing I'll call out just because um, my boyfriend's a weirdo who keeps an eye on this are the belt buckles in Texas. Oh, so yeah. you're supposed to earn those by riding in a rodeo. And Billy Bob at one point has a giant one on. And he pointed yep. out what rodeo did Billy Bob win. <laughs> so that's my call out is all of the belt buckles that are ridiculous and like all of the cowboy gear all the gentlemen wore. But yeah, a lot of those belt buckles are fraudulent because I just can't imagine, unless it was handed down from family, I don't know. But the belt yeah. buckles, not okay. Tweeter, Tweeter ha I mean, Tweeter kind of in general dressed like a cowboy. Um, but there's a number of scenes where he's got like enormous kind of fully rhinestoned up belt buckles. And I assume he just gave one to Billy Bob because mm -hmm. 
he's not busting any Bronx. He's not uh, riding a bull. Billy Bob is not built for that kind of life at all, I don't think. Dave, what look did you want to talk about this week? Um, there's a particular scene in this movie that's kind of lived on through the ages. Uh, when Mox goes over to Darcy's house, uh, she, she puts on a certain outfit that really just sticks out and people remember to this day. Uh, she, she puts on a whipped cream bikini uh-huh. um, with cherry nipples. Um, <laughs> turns out it uh, wasn't really whipped cream. They had to put lights in the house, so they kept melting the whipped cream. Not good. So they ended oh up having to use shaving cream to make, it, to make everything stick on where it's supposed to go. And uh, when she walks over there and just starts spraying, she doesn't spray for nearly long enough to get as much coverage as I think she needs. So very impressive the way it turned out. Um, But like I said, it's a uh, very iconic scene. I think it was uh, parodied in uh, those teen movies that came out later. Um, But uh, yeah, something memorable. The rest of the fashion in the movie is all, Pretty late 90s generic, to be honest. But uh, that one, uh, to me, personally, you guys, was very memorable. (laughs) (laughs) To you specifically? To me personally, me, Dave Hernandez. I'm pretty sure I probably remembered it often, many, many times. Sure, of course, many times. (laughs) Gross. (laughs) (laughs) So um, for me, it's another Moxon look. It's Mox at the hospital after we found out that Lance has, like, blown his leg off. He's got on um, like a gray V-neck short sleeve sweatshirt. Um, this thing has to be like at least a 2XL. Again, he's wearing the gigantic baggy jeans. These are cargo jeans in the scene. They have that little like strap for the hammer on the leg. Um, when I first saw him, I'm like, all right, that kind of looks all right. He walks out of the hospital and I'm like, oh, you are swimming in all of this. Like nothing fits properly. It just... I always talk about how, like, we don't really have any super embarrassing trends that we're going to look back on in our yearbooks and go, oh, we look ridiculous there. Seeing him in things that are this big, when it's very much, like, sincere, like, it's not like they're trying to put on a joke or whatever, blew my fucking mind looking at how big all of his shit was. So, yeah, it's a baggy movie in general, I think. But uh, that look, to me, kind of was especially baggy. Now, one last thing we like to do on this podcast uh, is kind of look into the career of uh, somebody who wasn't necessarily um, a big character or a super well-known name and kind of see whether this movie was the start of big things for them or just kind of the peak of their whole career. So it's time for the IMDb Deep Dive. This week, I wanted to talk about uh, Ron Lester, who played Billy Bob. Uh, This was his second ever IMDb credit. He has a total of 15. Uh, His first was actually Good Burger in 1997. He played played Spatch, who I can only recall that character from like swatting a fly on his apron with the back of a spatula and then licking the fly off of that. Mm. So, yeah. So... Not a great start to a career, but um, a year after this movie came out in 2000, he had a very experimental at the time gastric bypass surgery. Uh, he actually flatlined on the table. He, he 
technically died. They had to bring him back. And in the span of two years, he went from 508 pounds, which is what he, what he was in this movie, to 160. Like, he, he deflated in two years. Mm-hmm. Um, he was in three episodes of Freaks and Geeks. He was in 43 episodes, which might be all of them, of the amazing WB teen parody show Popular, which... I think we're going to see a lot of people who have been in that show in these movies. And I will talk about how great it is every single fucking time. This popular was perfection. Um, he was in two episodes of Sabrina, the teenage witch. Then uh, he played Reggie Ray in not another teen movie, um, a spoof on his Billy Bob character. And that's when he started to lose weight. So after he got skinny, he really had a hard time getting cast because he had only been known as like lovable fat kid and everything else before that. Um, he appeared in a handful of movies I'd never heard of, uh, something called The Greenskeeper, Fat Boy Chronicles, a made-for-TV movie called The Karate Dog, which I really want to watch. Yeah, it sounds fun. It's like an air bud with karate. Uh, he was in one episode of CSI and then his last ever credit was 2015's racing legacy. And sadly, um, Ron Lester died in 2016 of liver and kidney failure. So a real downer for the end of the deep dive. Um, that brings us uh, to the end of our podcast. And just like the end of the school year, that means it's time to hand out some superlatives. Mox is most likely to blow people's minds during pickup football games with other fellow Ivy League alums. Hmm. Tweeter is most likely to wind up in prison. (laughs) Billy Bob is most likely to donate his brain to science. Wendell is most likely to major in AFAM studies at Grambling and never return to West Canaan. And Lance is most likely to get into a fist fight with his dad over whether Lance Jr. should play offense or defense. Mm. Yeah, I, I feel like Lance might think he's not like his dad. He's going to wind up just like his dad, getting blitzed and punching somebody in the face over some nonsense football bullshit. I don't like that ending for him. Well, you know, it's sad. But, I mean, what else is he really going to do? He, he winds up being a coach – you know, and in, in I'm assuming West Canaan, that's his future for sure. Hopefully, we can pick it up here with our next selection. Dana, what are we going to watch next week? We are going to watch Save the Last Dance. Oh, boy. Ooh. I'm getting dance <laughs> mom stories. There you go. Oh, <laughs> I am looking forward to all of these stories from Megan. This is going to be a great episode. Uh, that does it this episode folks if you like what you heard pop on over to itunes spotify google podcast or wherever it is you get your podcasts give us a five-star rating leave us a positive review if you didn't like what you heard then i don't want your life (laughs) take it easy millennials we will see you next week